Question. Open up the discussion this morning. Question for you. Uh, what is the thing or idea, what's that one thing that your entire life has been directed in pursuit of? Right? When you just think about that one thing or that one idea that your, your life is aligned towards and you have been pursuing. It could be for a week. It could be for a month. It could be for a year. It could be for a decade. But, but when you think about it, and don't over-spiritualize this answer. Don't give me a church answer. I don't allow church answers. Um, I don't want to hear those because I want to know what your actual life is directed in pursuit of. So your time, your energy, your resources. What's that one thing that you've been narrow-minded on and for a month, a year, a decade, whatever it is, that's where I've been headed. What's that one thing? For me, music. Music. Okay. Can I say like music career or just music? Sure. Music. Okay. What else? What's that one thing? Happiness. What do you think that happiness is going to come through, though? Because you think mentally that there's, if I had that one thing, I'd have that happiness thing. I've always had a mindset of do anything and everything that can make me happy so that when the end time comes, I can say I've had a happy time. I've done everything. Okay. So you're My one. Career is where I find a lot of joy. Okay, career, career. You think that pursuing that career, having the ideal career, the career you envision, is going to produce happiness in your life? So, my my life, my energy, my resources has been in pursuit and directed towards that. Give me something else. A good place to live. A home. Right. White picket fence. Right, two kids, two and a half kids running around the yard. I think the average number of kids is less than it used to be, so now we don't have to have half a kid. We get to have like just two kids. So people are having. Give me one more. Give me one more. Living a healthy lifestyle. Healthy lifestyle. Somebody is pushing their button, right? So, uh, so physical health. Physical health, well-being. Okay. Health and wealth. Health and wealth. Ah, man. We've got to be one of them health and wealth preachers this morning. Uh, <laughs> do what? Okay, so parenthood, children, family. Can I call it parenthood? Is that okay? Was that Steve Martin? Okay. I'm sorry. We went from health and wealth to Steve Martin. Things happen around here. All right, so, so let me ask you this question. And those of you that didn't answer, you're heathens. No, I mean, you've got it in your mind. You know what you're thinking. What if, um, what if I told you that you could have this one thing tomorrow? It can be given to you tomorrow. You can have it. But God won't go with you. You can have this, but you can't have Him. Now, I'm not changing your eternal situation. Let's suppose for a moment that you still have security in Christ, presence of heaven, presence of God in eternity. But I'm talking about everyday life. You can have this tomorrow, 
but you won't have him with you. No would, way. Would you take it? All of that can go away tomorrow. But if you have God. Okay. Somebody else a little slow to answer? <laughs> well, life helps me well, but the void of not having God in my life, I, I feel, you know, sad and empty. Okay. You know, and I, I like the peace and joy of God more so than yeah. things that I mentioned because the level, uh, the level of peace and comfort that comes with it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I build, like, have that feeling of being lonely a lot quicker. Right, right. Okay. Just going to get into our discussion this morning. There was I posed a question to you last week. Would you rather have God's blessings or God's presence? If you could have all God's blessings, but you wouldn't have God's presence, would you take it? Which one would you rather have? And I think in this way it's laid out for you in a very direct way. That one thing you're pursuing, you can have it tomorrow, but he's not with you. Right? It's just another way of asking the same question. Moses and Israel in the book of Exodus, were faced with this exact situation. They were faced with uh, this very dilemma came like crashing into them, and they were asked this one question. They were, they were, this one scenario was proposed to them. Somebody, y'all help me create a timeline real quick. Old Testament timeline in the book of Exodus. So those of you that have read the book of Exodus, uh, I need your help right now. Uh, so let's create a timeline from Exodus, starting the beginning. I'll give you the first step. Uh, timeline. Okay. Where was the nation of Israel enslaved? Egypt. Egypt. So we're slaves in Egypt. What happened? What happened next? Okay. Moses. Uh, takes from Egypt. We should have invited them in. And in case you don't think about the second book of the Bible, it's called Exodus, and it's about the exodus of the people from Egypt. I mean, some of the books of the Bible are named so strategically that they're almost too obvious to understand. So um, they had a massive, massive exodus of the nation of Israel out of the nation of Egypt. Moses was there to lead them through it. Uh, what else goes on that timeline? What they do as soon as they left? Entered the wilderness. Entered the wilderness through Red Sea. They walked through the sea, through the Red Sea, as if they were on dry ground. The book of Exodus says that God parted the waters and the nation of Israel walked through as on dry ground. And Egypt pursued them and was swallowed up. Was swallowed up by the sea. Um, then, as soon as they get into the wilderness, like Mark said, um, Moses does something. What does Moses do as soon as they get into the wilderness? I already gave you part of it. It's Moses, what? Goes up the mountain. What mountain? Moses on. Sinai. Man, I spelled this wrong. Spell check got me on Sinai multiple times last night. So praise Jesus, there is no spell check on the whiteboard. Um, So spends 40 days, 40 days on Mount Sinai receiving the law uh, and 10 commandments. Okay? 
right on. Y'all know what that means. So, 40 days. Here's where our timeline is going to, to lead us. When he comes down off the mountain, what's going on? There is a golden calf worship service going on. Right? Uh, golden calf incident found in Exodus chapter 32, which is where we're going to start our time together in the scriptures this morning. Uh, but Moses had been up there for 40 days. For 40 days, and people begin to get restless. They begin to get restless, and they're like, Aaron, why don't you do something for us? Moses' brother Aaron, I need you to help us out. We need you to create a God for us. I need you to create a God. Read chapter 32, verses 1 through 4 in the book of Exodus. It says, When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who will go before us into who will go before us because this Moses, the man who brought us from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron replied to them, Take off the gold rings in the ear uh, that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their gold rings that were on the ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold rings from them, fashioned it with an engraving um, tool and made it into the image of a calf. Then he said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. These are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Um, Flip with me to chapter 33 now. We're going to push the fast forward button to uh, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, go up from here uh, to the people you brought from the land of Egypt, to the land of promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give you this offspring. So here's the deal. Moses found out what was going on down there, that they got antsy, they created this golden calf, they began to worship it because they didn't know what happened to Moses. They didn't know what happened. Well, Moses comes down, slinging Ten Commandments, breaking stones, out of just a crazy scene where he comes down off the mountain and finds this party going on where they're worshiping a calf. Um, and in the midst of that, um, <clears throat> in the midst of that, God tells them, I'm not going, he says, he, he, get, he cuts them a deal in chapter 33. He says, go up from here to the land that I had promised you. I will send an angel ahead of you and will drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Heathites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you're a stiff-necked people. Otherwise, I might destroy you on the way. I might destroy you on the way. And it says, when the people heard this bad news, they mourned and did not put on their jewelry. So God said, I'm going to give you that one thing that your life has been directed towards. I'm going to give you all of it. But I'm not going with you. <laughs> I'd kill you on the way. You people get on my nerves. You're stiff-necked. You're hard-hearted. You, you're, you're just quick to turn. And if I have to go with you, you're not going to make it because I'm going to kill you on the way. And, and so he says, just go. I'll give you all your blessings. Give you everything you want. 
but you don't get me anymore. Okay? So one more passage here in verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, Look, you've told me to lead this people up, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I I know you by name, and you've also found favor with me. Now, if indeed I have found favor with you, Lord, please teach me your ways, and I will know you so that I might find favor with you. Now consider that this nation is your people. And God replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. If your presence does not go, Moses said, do not make us go up from here. For how will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all other people on the face of this earth. Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you've asked, for you have found favor with me, and I do know you by name. So, Moses ultimately tells God, we're not leaving here if you're not going with us. Please do not make us go anywhere without your presence. We don't want your blessings without your presence. That's what he ultimately told God. And he intercedes for the nation of Israel, and God says, all right, I will relent from my wrath, and I'll go with you. Okay? Side note, Moses here is a picture of Jesus later. That as the wrath of God is on the people, Moses intercedes, he goes before the presence of God on behalf of the people, and he, he, he removes the wrath of God by interceding. That's what Jesus does for you, and he does for me. The wrath of God is on you and me, and so Jesus goes for us to the presence of God to have that removed. Okay, that's a picture of Jesus later on. So, he says, go, but I will not go with you. And the people mourned. When I read this this week, one thing came to mind. What on earth allows the people to replace God with gold on one day and then mourn his absence on the very next day? This is split in two days. In one day, they're like, yeah, give me a calf. That'll be sufficient. And then on the next day, God says, nope, not going with you. And now all of a sudden they're mourning. They're sad. It's like one day gold was enough. The next day God has to be with us. And I'm like, what? what's going on here? And I believe, after considering this this week, that in mourning they likely mourn their tendency towards a restless self-destruction apart from God's presence. Okay, so restless self-destruction apart from God's presence. They had seen what they become when they think God is not with them. When they thought God had left them for 40 days, They flipped out. For 40 days, when they thought he was gone, they became restless and they pursued pursued something else to their own self-destruction. It says that 3,000 men perished that one day after they had worshipped false gods. Okay, so I think the shift in 24 hours was that through this example, when they thought God had left them, and their restlessness became to their own self-destruction, 
Now when they heard that God was not going to go with them anymore, they knew they would destroy themselves no matter what they had. No matter what blessings they were given, no matter what one thing they'd been pursuing for them, it was the promised land. Go into the promised land, I'll give it to you. You'll have everything you want, milk and honey and all these good things. But they knew they would destroy themselves when they got there if God wasn't with them. They'd seen what it happens. They'd seen how the story ends. And so they begin to mourn their own self-destruction through restlessness. My mom denies this story because uh, I tried to tell her about it the other day, but it is true. Um, one day when I was about 10 years old um, in elementary school, mom didn't show up after school. Um, it's like a movie scene. I can still see myself standing in the front yard of the school waiting on my mom to show up. Now, of course, mom has rose-colored glasses and doesn't think that she would leave her son alone at school, but she did. She did. Um, And apparently I was so traumatized that I still see myself standing in front of that door. One by one, kids would get in the car and they would leave. Another one would get in the car and they would leave. And with every kid that would leave, my restlessness increased. Because, oh, crap, mom has forgot me. She's gone. Where's she at? Um, Ten years old, and you think that your mom has left, you begin to search for security in whatever you can. Do you know it? It's like you're, can I grab a teacher? Can I grab, what do I grab? It's like, where's my security blanket? You're, you're searching for security because when you think your mom has left you, your restlessness increases and you want to find security somewhere. So here's the question for you. Why do you think Israel became restless when they perceived that God had left them? Right? So you, 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 see, you see 10-year-old me standing out in front of my elementary school, and, and you understand, you comprehend why I would freak out. But why would Israel feel that same restlessness when they perceived that God had abandoned them? What do you think? it's like this is the one that's brought us up out of Egypt this is the one that parted the sea we are not sufficient in our own to do this so now we have to have a security blanket found in something else so now let's create our own God there's no way we can do this I'm 10 years old I can't even feed myself right I think they had that same thing. What else? Why do you think Israel grew restless when they perceived that God had left? They weren't comfortable. How so? They were in the middle of the desert. Okay. Uncomfortable in foreign wasteland, right? Here we are. We've been dropped off in the middle of the desert. And the one who brought us here is gone. Never been here before, don't know our way out. It's just a hopeless situation. What else? Why do you think they became restless when they perceived God had left them? I think knowing that, you know, if I, if, if, if I 
were to experience those same type of troubles, who would this man to be deliverance? And I think that's my personal life. When we run into issues and problems, God delivers us. We come to testimony of his blessings, but also knowing that if we regress or if we fall back or if we create an idol or if we forget about him in some type of way, who is it? bring us out if we do fall to it, if we do fall. You know, just seeing God's miracles and his miraculous powers, um, you know, it's hard to shake that out of your conscious mind. You know, so I believe that that, that had an effect on the minimum. So you'd seen the power of your God, you'd seen his freedom that he's brought, he's brought you out of your old life into a new life and Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Right, so... um, He said, um, verse 16, it says, How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? How will it be known that we found favor with God unless God is with us? Two observations in this. Number one, stuff does not equal favor. He already offered them the promise. He already offered them the one thing. And they said, just because we have stuff doesn't mean we have favor. Okay? So your health and wealth, prosperity concept, just because you got a lot of stuff doesn't mean you have God's favor. Just because you got a lot of money doesn't mean you have God's favor. Just because you have achieved that one thing doesn't mean you have God's favor. Okay, they said, how will we know that we have your favor if we don't have your presence? We won't know. Uh, Second thing is, children find security, worth, and courage from presence and approval. Think about children with their parents. As a parent, you can give your kid all the stuff they want, but it doesn't breed security, it doesn't breed courage, it doesn't breed self-worth. If you want your child to have security, worth, and courage, you have to give them your presence and your approval. Right? Because if dad's not gone, it doesn't matter what dad leaves, they still question their value. They still question themselves. They still have fear and doubt that drives their emotions. And that's what their relationship with their Heavenly Father is. It's like, ultimately, they're saying, Dad, (laughs) I don't want all the toys. I find all my courage and all my value in your presence. I don't care if I have all my dad's stuff. If I don't have my dad, what what benefit is the stuff? And that's ultimately what Israel's saying in this time. I don't want your stuff. I want you. Because my courage comes from you and your approval of my life. How will I know that you approve of my life if you're not with me? You can write me letters and send me notes and tell me how much you love me and send me gifts on my birthday, but if you're not here when I wake up in the morning, 
how do I know who I am? I don't. I don't. It's the presence of my Father that gives me identity and courage to live out my purpose every day. So you can have all God's blessings and find yourself insecure, devalued, and fearful. You can have all this, but you can have your one thing and you can wake up every day a scared little baby. You can wake up every day feeling like a 10-year-old left in the schoolyard because your mama didn't show up. My mom eventually showed up. She came and got me. I am loved by my mom. Um, I survived. How did I know when my mom had come to get me, but I saw her car pull up? Now, that's a simple thing. I knew my mom had come to get me when I saw her car pull in, but that poses another question. When we get into the passage here in Exodus 23, How do they know God is with them? Their daddy didn't pull up in his car. He didn't roll up in his Chevrolet. So how do they know if God's with them or not? How do they know? He what? He rolled up in a cloud. There was a cloud by day that went ahead of them. And at night the cloud turned to a fire. And it says that as they traveled through the wilderness, there was a cloud that led them on their path. And at night He lit their way so they could continue to travel through the darkness. That's what the book of Exodus says happened as they traveled through the wilderness. A cloud by day and a fire by night. And interestingly enough, when they crossed the Red Sea, and that's water. And you got people crossing the Red Sea. Interestingly enough, you got a bunch of people. That's the nation of Israel. You got the cloud that goes in front of them. When their father needed to protect them and not just guide them, it says that's the one time that the cloud went behind them so that the nation of Egypt could not pursue them. How did they know that God was with them? The presence of the cloud by day and the fire by night. He was not only a guide, but He was a protector, and they physically saw Him with them. So what they're ultimately saying is, We can get to the land, but if we no longer see you with us, it's not worth it. Because you're our God. You lead us day by day. You tell us when to stop. You tell us when to go. You tell us when to stay. You you shift because you come behind us when we need somebody between us and the enemy. And then you go in front of us when we know when to go and when to stay. And if we don't have you... We're going to grow restless. If we don't see the cloud, if we don't know the presence of God's with us, we're going to self-destruct. We're going to self-destruct. The pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night was their omniscient guide. He's their all-knowing guide. There are many seasons that came after the one we're reading. Here's the deal. They would... We're not in the sea anymore. They would be following the presence of God 
and he would stop. And it says, when the cloud stops, you stop. There's some times where it'd stop for a day, it'd stop for a week, it'd stop for months at a time, and they would camp in the wilderness. They would camp in the wilderness because the cloud would stop. The presence of God would, would stop, and so they'd stop with Him. But the interesting thing was, He would stop and they would rest in His presence. In the wilderness, they would stop with the presence of God and they would find rest in His presence. But this one time where Moses is on, on Sinai and they can't see God, they don't know whether He's with them, when they were still in the waiting, they became restless. In His presence, they find rest in the waiting. But in the waiting, when you do not perceive that God is with us, that same season turns restless instead of restful. When you're waiting and you question whether God's with you or not, you become restless. When you're waiting and you know God has told you to wait and you wait in His presence, you find rest. The same season with two different results. That's why God says in verse 14, My presence will go with you and you will find rest. When He concedes and He says, Yes, I will answer your prayer, Moses. I will go with you and you'll have rest. Because when they perceived that God had left them, they became restless. They became restless. Israel knew themselves enough to know that they would always be restless no matter what they had if they didn't have God. They knew themselves well enough to know whatever they had, they would be restless if they didn't have Him. Do we know ourselves that well enough to know that? Right? Whatever you have, You'll be restless if you don't have Him. So Israel in their restlessness created a false god to be their god through the journey. It even says that when they fashioned the calf, they said, Israel, here's the god that brought you out of Egypt. Here He is. Your other god left, so here's we'll give credit to this one for bringing you out. Here's my question for you. What do we turn to when we're restless? What's our security blanket when we get restless? What do we want to cling to when we think that maybe God has left us and we've grown restless? What's our security blanket? think about it. Tap into that. You're in a season and, and God has led you to a point or you've arrived at a point and then everything stops. And the longer that season stops, the more you question His presence. Where'd He go? What's He doing? I don't see anything going on. I don't know what's happening. And you begin to grow restless because God's not moving on your behalf. Because things aren't happening on your behalf. And here you are, increasingly growing restless. What do you turn to when your Heavenly Father doesn't seem to be leading you in your journey? Busy schedule. 
I've got to make something happen. I've got to do something. Let me, let me, let me start. If God's got, going to stir it up, let me stir it up by doing something. Let's get busy about it. Let's get busy. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Let's do stuff. Immediately, I'd go talk to somebody or have somebody like physically talking to me. Yeah, which is obviously not a God's given us people, right? But I kind of thought about that last night too, and I'm like, sometimes the people we turn to, we turn to convenient connections. Yeah. And it's like people I know they'll they'll comfort me, you know, like they're not going to give me the truth necessarily. They'll, they'll tell you what you want to hear. Exactly. Affirm everything mm-hmm. that jumps on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Give me people that are convenient. In a season of waiting where I begin to question and get restless, surround me with yes men. Surround me with comforters. That can be unhealthy relationships. You can, like if you're in a season, I'm go back to this, in a season of singleness, and if you grow restless thinking that God's not moving on your behalf, just give me somebody. I don't care if it's a healthy relationship or not. I'm going to let somebody be my security blanket. Right? And then you find yourself in the presence of self-destructing relationships. Or it can be comforters. And what you got? It's kind of like go on. I don't know if I'm going to jump ahead of you or anything, but it's like, like, I went through a period where it's like, I was very restless, like day in and day out. And I just remember this one day, I was like, to go play my drums to do that and it's like I realized like I couldn't do that and I started freaking out and it's like I had to like go like chug a beer you know I had to do something you know it's like I had to do something to, like get my mind off of it and I, I started talking to this person it's my uh, my I guess sister-in-law now uh, and she's not she's a yes man you know she mm-hmm. definitely is not godly and stuff like that but she'll comfort me and she'll tell me it's okay and like and she'll she'll confirm my drinking and stuff like that and all that stuff um, but it's like I just look back at like that's how it was, and it's you know it's weird that you're you know, you're saying all this. It's like God really wasn't like a lot of ways He wasn't with me in those moments. I mean He was, but it's like I so much didn't turn to Him, and it's like yeah. now it's like really my answer to that is it's like the good church answer. It's like I've been you can like grab onto word you know that's just comforting, and I, like I had stuff recently happen where it's like I started slipping into these like like panic or like I screw everything up, but it's just like no, that's not true. It's a lie. It's a lie. You know, and you realize mm-hmm. like. God's love, you know, it's like it's immeasurable. It's like the width and height and depth, and it's like it's it's insane how much He loves us. And and yeah, all these words out there. There's so much of the word that's just like comforting. And and I've started discovering what that feels like to actually to be in those situations and actually like open up the Bible and go to those. Like I know where it's at. I read it. I'm like this. This is the truth. This is the truth. You know what I mean? And it, it is. It's like meditation and and uh, remembrance. And, and there's so much of it. It's like too much before I'm like I know what the word says and but you really don't you forget it and but yeah it's and I speak. found so much more comfort in it so much more peace and it, it, it's a it's a movement you have to make you know it's not just he didn't just come you don't just say God help me and he helps you it's like you gotta like turn to him mm-hmm. you know? but but you begin to in your restlessness you begin to believe it's like like Derek just said it's you hear these voices saying he's gone he's quit he's left you and and you have to consciously Rehearse. It's just like we said last week. I don't feel your presence, but I know you're present. Because sometimes when you feel like God has left, God has just stopped. He's just waiting. And He's asking you to wait. But in the waiting, you become restless and you think He's gone. 
It's a fine line between the two. A season of waiting turns into a season of restlessness. And when he's saying, I'm with you, and I want you to rest right now, the cloud has stopped. And no matter where he stops, he just says, I want you to stop with me, and I want you to rest. But when you begin to question, the voices begin to tell you, he's gone, he's gone, you're alone. You better do something. You better do something. Why don't you, why don't you make that phone call? Get that person. Get that yes man. Get that convenient relationship going again. Why don't you... You need to get busy producing something. Get busy. Make something happen. Pursue that one thing. God stalled out. God left. So you pursue that one thing. And in pursuing that one thing in your busyness, you actually leave the presence of God and you leave that season of rest behind. When he said, I hadn't left you. I just wanted you to stall out for a little bit to regain yourself, to regain your energy, to regain out of my presence your rest so that in the next season you'll be equipped. You'll be equipped. We get busy. We get busy. Sometimes we take the easy way out. Um, sometimes in the season of waiting, we just worry becomes our... Security blanket. I'm just going to worry. I'm just going to use up all my energy just worrying. That's my security blanket. I'm just going to worry. Man, it's restless. It's restless in our worry. Right? Israel had a golden calf. We got worry. We got convenient relationships. We got busyness. You can't look at Israel and say, how on earth could they worship this golden calf after he parted the Red Sea? How on earth can we be brought to where we've been brought and God wants to slow down in your life for a little bit and yet we get restless and begin to pursue everything else? I've seen this passage like a whole new light this week. Because I always looked at them with judgment. How on earth can they do that? But when you realize it's built out of their insecurity... And when they believed that God did miraculous things, but then they also believed that he was gone. And how insecure do we become when your heavenly father leaves you and you begin to think that he's no longer with you? We self-destruct. We self-destruct. Um, sometimes God moves fast. Sometimes he seems to be still. And we can often misunderstand stillness for absence. Okay. Stillness, absence. Sometimes we mistake the two. God is still. You think he's gone. Okay? And when you, when you think he's just still, you can rest. When you think he's gone, you'll get restless. Okay? So I, I believe someone needs to hear this right now. Your season is not to be one of restlessness. You can rest right now. Right? The season you're going through is not supposed to be a season of restlessness. It's supposed to be a season of rest for you. God is still with you. I know you're restless. I know you're anxious. I know you're fearful. I know you need security and something. Because the one thing you're pursuing doesn't seem to be getting closer God doesn't seem to be moving on your behalf. It's, it's not time to get restless. God intends this to be a season of rest for you. 
And if you will believe that he is still with you, you can rest in the season and, and God will do what he intends to do in your life through it. This is not supposed to be a season of restlessness. It's supposed to be a season of rest. Okay? So who's restless right now? Mark says he's restless. I get, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things that come to mind. And uh, for me, going back to what you said, with God in that still time, God is equipping you. So I find myself in a restless that I'm not totally committed and trusting God for that thing. And so I'm always reminded that in that still or in the time when God, or when I think God is not moving, I notice that that's a time when God is equipping me. God is developing me, God the character. God is strengthening my soul, strengthening my mind through his word. But the restlessness is I want to move in Mark's time. And that, for me, that's, that could be a challenge because I'm, man, I want to get there 30 seconds. But the question that we got to ask, I think we can all sympathize with that, but let me ask you a question of repentance right now. Do you want to move in your own timing or do you want to move in God's presence? I'm moving God's presence. All right, then can we repent of our own timing right now? Can we turn and, and have a new way of thinking? Can we confess that you're restless? Right now, just give me a hand raise that says, I'm operating in restlessness right now. Okay? So everybody with your hand raised, can you, you don't have to confess to me, can you confess to God that your restlessness is not out of His will, but He intends this to be a season of rest? And can you confess to Him that the only reason you're restless is because you have a timing predetermined in your head for which you will arrive at this destination and you have chose to pursue your own timing over his presence. Can you confess that to him right now and repent of that unbelief, repent of that sinful mindset that is stealing your rest, that is stealing his purpose in your life right now? I mean, there's too many of us to go through all of our stories right now, but I, I think... We're offering you a time of repentance right now. God, I have been moving in my own timing. I've been moving in my own purpose. And I would prefer to move in your presence. I choose your presence over my blessings right now. Help me to believe, to rehearse your word in my life so that I can slow down, receive the rest that you intend right now and to erase the restlessness that I'm operating in. I renounce the busyness. I renounce the convenient relationships. I renounce my worry. And I choose your presence instead. It's better. It's better. Can I say this? Yeah. It's not that God doesn't want the things that I'm uh, desiring are the things of God. So it's, it's not that what I'm pursuing or what I desire is not the thing that God doesn't want me to have. Absolutely. It's time. Yeah. And I, I think that's the, the the beauty of it is knowing that, but also, you know, not the, the, the human or the fleshly side was not wanting to wait. It can create uh, anxiety and frustration that we don't need that we create ourselves. So uh, Shelly's dad always has a quote. 
I hate catchy Christian phrases, but this one just rings out in my life and it annoys the mess out of me because it's true. It's that God's never late, but He's never early. It's like, I don't even know what that means. He's always right on time, right? He's never late. But dang, He's never early either. He's always just right on time. I'm like, that's a stupid, catchy Christian phrase, but the reason it annoys me so bad is because it speaks to my restlessness. God, I think you're slow. God, I think you're late. We know that He has given us this thing to pursue, but He wants us to pursue Him, and He leads us into it. He wants us to pursue His presence and He leads us into our thing. But in our restlessness, we choose blessings over presence and we pursue these things. And when we pursue these things, we become restless when He intends us to be restful in His presence. Okay? God's presence is the distinguishing mark for God's people from all over people on earth. So this is the last thing I want to tell you this morning. He says, uh, in verse 16 to 33, I and your people will be distinguished by this, that's your presence, from all other peoples on the earth. That's the one thing that sets God's people apart from every other people. God's presence. God's presence. It's not how good you are morally. It's not anything other than God's presence. That's the one distinguishing mark from all other people on earth. For them, it was a cloud. I don't have a cloud that I follow and that protects me. This is fulfilled through Jesus in the Holy Spirit. This is fulfilled through Jesus in the Holy Spirit. We receive His presence in the same way that they received it back then. Moses tells, he prays in verse chapter 34, verse 9, My Lord, if I have indeed found favor with you, please go with us, even though we're a stiff-necked people. That's his prayer. Please go with me, even though I know you're right. We're a stiff-necked people. We don't listen. We're narrow-minded. We're quick to respond. Forgive our iniquity and our sin and accept us as as your own possession. That was the prayer that Moses prayed on behalf of Israel. Go with us, despite our frustrating nature. And we know for you to go with us, you must forgive us. And you must claim us as your own. So in Jesus, we can pray the same thing. By faith in Jesus, I pray you forgive my sins, my iniquity. I know I'm frustrating to you, Father, but through your Son, I believe you can forgive me. And I ask you to make me your own possession. You receive the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus. And that becomes your identifying mark that sets you apart from all other peoples on earth. Because you no longer have to pursue a thing. You pursue His presence. And as He leads you to go and He leads you to stay, and He goes behind you to defend you and ahead of you to guide you, The Holy Spirit, through faith in Jesus, is the one thing that sets you apart as God's possession above all other things. It's the unique thing that every child of God possesses. And nobody outside of His family has.
the identifiable mark of God's children. His presence with you through the Holy Spirit. It's what Jesus purchased on the cross. It's what He did. He purchased you as His possession by taking the wrath of God, just like Moses did. Turn your wrath away, Father. We don't deserve this, but I'm going to go to you and say, turn your wrath away from these people and continue to be with them. It's what Jesus did for you. It's what He accomplished on the cross. So that you call on the name of God. He makes you His own. And He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You be strong and courageous, child, because I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I invite you to two things in closing. Repent of your restlessness. Turn away from it. Change your thinking. Do what Derek said. Pursue His presence through His Word. Find Him in your season of waiting. Stop pursuing that one thing and pursue Him. And He will lead you into those things. In His timing, in His purpose. Number two... Call upon Him to become His own possession and to receive the Holy Spirit. Receive that by faith in Jesus. Say, I need your forgiveness. I believe Jesus offers that forgiveness. Now make me your own, Father. Make me your own. Be with me through your Spirit every day. I need you to lead me, to guide me, to protect me, to stop me, to to urge me. Without your presence, I don't want to go anywhere else. I won't go anywhere. I'm going to sit right here until I receive you. I'm going to sit right here. That's what we're invited to this morning. We can have it all. But if we don't have Him, we'll self-destruct. We'll self-destruct. By faith in Jesus, you can be accepted, forgiven, and accept His daily presence. Anybody got a final word before we close in prayer? Anybody want to make a move this morning? Anybody want to step up by faith and say, you know what? This is what I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose God's presence right now. Do you have a do you have a, a course of action that you need to take today? And you want to step out by faith and confess your repentance verbally so that we can support you as a family? I need to take this step today. I need to do this thing today. Does anybody have that? Tony's like, I don't. I don't. got to give you the opportunity. Give you the opportunity. I want to close this in a time of prayer. Man, I hope this helps you this week. I hope it helps you this week. I want you to come back next Sunday rested and refreshed. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters where He restores my soul. 
He wants to make you lie down this week. He hasn't left you, but He wants you to rest. It's a season of waiting. Father, we thank You that You have promised Your children, I will never leave You and I will never forsake You. So challenge